Welcome to the Sensitive Kitchen, where home cooks are inspired to cook to enable those you love to flourish. I'm Cindy Sullivan, registered dietitian, passionate nutrition educator, and accomplished home cook. Whether you're changing how you cook for food sensitivities, allergies, intolerances, or just trying to eat healthier on a budget, you're in the right place. Most episodes, I will share favorite recipes, as well as modification tips and nutrition benefits. Occasionally, I'll have a guest or special episode like modifying holiday favorites. My favorite foods? They're raspberries and homemade chocolate chip cookies. My latest cooking project was long-fermented sourdough bread. This is the week of holidays in my house, or at least cooking holidays. It's my daughter's birthday. In a few days, it's pie day. And a few more days, it's St. Patrick's Day. Do you have weeks where you feel like you cook a lot? I cook a lot for all of these. For St. Patrick's Day, when I was growing up, we called it boiled dinner. We put corned beef, or my mom did, and potatoes, and cabbage, and carrots in a pot, and it was a one-pot wonder. When I married into an Irish Catholic family, St. Patrick's Day was a celebration, a whole family celebration, and the boiled potatoes were replaced by mashed potatoes, but everything else was pretty much the same. But the dinner sometimes felt like it needed something, and Irish soda bread I decided was what it needed, but I wasn't crazy about a lot of the Irish soda bread that I tasted. It was too dry and crumbly. I finally took a cooking class and found one that I liked. The instructor brought samples, and it was wonderful. But then I was trying to put more whole grains into our diet, and I happened upon King Arthur Flowers' whole grain American Irish soda bread. And this is a tweak on that recipe. I've been making it now for, oh, at least 10 years, and it's the favorite in our house. We just had company for this past weekend, and it got five-star reviews from our company. So this is an Irish soda bread that gives you more whole grains. Now, today's nutrition tidbit, before I talk about the recipe, I want to talk to you a little bit about including more whole grains in your diet and why to do it. I know that grains have gotten kind of a bad rap in certain circles these days, and there are certainly people who cannot tolerate them. But if you can, there's great reason to eat them. I want to talk to you about two meta-studies, and meta-studies are or meta-analysis, and that's where they look at a bunch of studies that have been done to try to say, what do all of these studies, the weight of the evidence of all of these studies, what does it tell us? So the first one I want to tell you about was done almost 10 years ago by the journal and published in the journal nutrition in 2012. And it looked at 66 different studies. It looked at both whole grain and dietary fiber intake. They compared these 66 studies, they compared those who never or rarely ate whole grains versus those who were in the highest group. They had about 48 to 80 grams of whole grains a day. That was about three to five servings a day of whole grains. Those people who had three to five servings of whole grains a day had a 26% lower risk of type 2 diabetes, a 21% 
lower risk of cardiovascular disease, and consistently less weight gain during the 8 to 13 years that the studies ran. This is huge. This meta-analysis provides evidence to support the beneficial effects of whole grain intake on vascular disease prevention, and their conclusion in 2012 was that the mechanisms still need further investigation. Now I want to take you to a study that was published just two years ago in The Lancet, a British medical journal, and they looked at 243 studies. It encompassed 4,635 adult participants and 135 million person years of data. A lot of these studies are prospective, so they start the study and they watch people's health as they age and as they go through life. They found the highest benefit for consuming fiber. But at the end of the study, they said similar findings were for the whole grain intake with the fiber. So let's look at their findings. Their findings were there was between a 15 and 30% decrease in all-cause mortality, so dying of anything, and incidence of coronary artery disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, and colorectal cancer when you compared those consuming the highest dietary fiber with the lowest. The clinical trials that they looked at showed significantly lower body weight, lower systolic blood pressure, and lower total cholesterol when comparing higher with lower intakes of dietary fiber. Risk reduction was associated with a range in critical outcomes. It was greatest when the daily fiber intake was between 25 and 29 grams. Perhaps there's more benefit to having more fiber, but there weren't enough people and weren't enough studies to make for sure recommendations on that. But like they said, this was not only for fiber, the similar findings were for whole grain intake. Let's now switch to the Dietary Guidelines for Americans 2020 to 2025. It just came out a few weeks ago. So what they found in the newest edition of the Dietary Guidelines is that most Americans meet the recommendations for total grain intake. That's the good news. The bad news is 98% of us, in other words, almost all of us, fall below the recommendations for whole grains and 74% of us exceed the limits for refined grains. When you looked at where do our whole grains come from, they said that about 60% of the whole grain intake in the United States comes from individual food items, mostly cereals and crackers, rather than mixed dishes. The dietary guidelines also said a food is 100% whole grain if the only grains it contains are whole grains. For example, this recipe I'm going to give you today is not 100% whole grain. I do make sometimes 100% whole wheat bread, but this one is not. This one has two cups of white whole wheat flour or regular whole wheat flour and one cup of all-purpose flour. So a food is 100% whole grain if it only contains whole grains, and a one-ounce equivalent of 100% whole grains has about 16 grams of whole grains. The recommendation is to consume at least half of your total grain intake as whole grains. But you can do this in a variety of ways. So for example, you can choose 100% whole grain foods 
for half of the grains. If you consume six servings of grains in a day, three of them can be whole grain foods, things like oatmeal or Triscuit crackers or shredded wheat. You also could choose products with at least 50% of the total weight as whole grains. And that would count as one serving as half, right? So there's a variety of ways to do this. You want to read the ingredient label, or if you're making the recipe like we are today, you want to say, does it have at least half of the grains as whole grains in this recipe? I want to encourage you to eat more whole grains. The evidence is really clear that it's good for you. And we're beginning to find out some of the reasons why. We're finding that a lot of that fiber is prebiotics in your intestinal tract, and it helps feed the bacteria that are in there. And those bacteria are active in promoting your health, as well as not just digestive health, but also health throughout your entire body and stimulating your immune system. So perhaps a mechanism of action that we weren't aware of even as few as 20 years ago is that that fiber helps feed your gut microbiota. And I was just looking at a recent study. I'll do more on this another day. But the more variety you have in your plant foods, the more variety you have in your gut microbiota and the healthier they are. Very interesting things we're finding. We're learning more about the mechanisms of why this is. Now, for this recipe, you're going to need an 8-inch round pan that's at least 3 inches high. I use a Corningware French white 1.5-quart casserole, but a souffle dish, a pantonette pan, or a deep cake pan will work. For the entire recipe, including pictures and all the ingredients, go to foodsensitivitykitchen.com slash episode 019. Basically, you're going to take eggs, oil, and sugar. And if you need to do a substitution here, I would probably try a flax egg for this particular recipe. Okay. Take your eggs, oil, and sugar and beat them. If you have a stand mixer, it's really easy to do there. And you want to actually beat them fairly well so that you incorporate a lot of air into into these. And they're going to change color probably about two minutes. And then you're going to add your baking powder and baking soda and salt. Next, you're going to add your whole wheat flour and your all-purpose flour alternately with the buttermilk. So you're going to do add a cup of whole wheat flour, half the buttermilk, another cup of whole wheat flour, the rest of the buttermilk, and the last cup of all-purpose flour. You certainly can use all 100% whole wheat flour in this recipe. It just won't rise quite as well. Now, this recipe calls for dried fruit. Um, We don't use raisins in my house because my husband is sensitive to grapes. So you can use raisins or currants. That's what the traditional recipe calls for. We find we like dried cranberries really well. Dried cherries are also excellent. So whatever kind of dried fruit you want to put in here. And usually you want to chop them with a little bit of flour, just because then they won't stick together and it's easier to mix them in and they don't clump. Once you gently mix that together, you're going to pour it into the well-greased pan. And then you're going to pour over the top a tablespoon of milk and top it with a tablespoon of coarse sugar. 
you certainly can omit this. It just gives it a really nice, crunchy, sweet outside. This is going to bake at a three twenty in a three twenty five oven for a long time. It bakes for like an hour and fifteen minutes until the tester in the center comes out clean. If you're using a ceramic pan, check it at about an hour, and if the top is browning too quickly, tent it with foil. Okay, cool it on the rack for at least an hour before slicing. If you're avoiding baking powder because of corn, you can use a substitute here to use two teaspoons of baking soda, a teaspoon of tapioca starch, and a quarter teaspoon of salt if you can't find baking powder without the corn in them. I hope you enjoy this recipe. Let me know how it turns out. Let me know what substitutions you've made. Um, In this particular one, I probably would not substitute for the buttermilk. I probably would just find a different recipe if milk is not in. But most everything else I think you can substitute. Although if you use a gluten-free flour, it will be lower in whole grains. Now some of them, like the King Arthur Measure for Measure, does have whole rice flour in it. Not the only grain, but is one of the grains. So that certainly will help you get some whole grains. Just Read your labels on your gluten-free flours if you're going to go gluten-free in this recipe. Because remember, we're trying to get more whole grains in us. And someday I will give you another recipe. I've used quinoa sometimes in the blender as a good flour substitute. So that might be another way you can go because quinoa is also a whole grain. So leave me a message. Let me know. Did you make Irish soda bread? How are you incorporating more whole grains into your meal plan? And keep your lookout for the kitchen table, which is the membership which we'll be launching later this spring. And I'd love to talk to you about it and get your feedback because I'm in the planning process right now trying to figure out exactly how I can best help you, encourage you to keep going, to cook for your food sensitive family, to keep cooking to enable those you love to flourish. Because I know a lot of days it's challenging and sometimes you get tired. And so I want to encourage you along this road. Let me know how I can do that. Have a great day. Thanks for joining me today. Bye-bye.